Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast. Hello, Bobby boy, and hello, listeners. I've had about six, not complaints, but people saying, come on, when's the next Conflab? And I mean, that's very nice to get that. And one I had on the phone, he rung me up, which was lovely. And I said, it's coming. So listeners, we're sorry we have reduced our output. We have something juicy for you today. I'm going to tell you what it is that Bob's going to give you a little mini things that we're going to cover. So the title is How to Be a Sales Leader in 2022. So how to be a sales leader. Let's be very clear on this. This might be a sales director. It might be a sales manager. It might be a team leader. It might be someone who is responsible for a large division of people who are selling stuff. If you are responsible, a commercial head, if you like, responsible for the profitability, the revenues of an organization, then that makes you a sales leader. You might be an operations director, a COO. It might even be a CEO if you're still involved in the commercial side of the business. That makes you a sales leader. And the only thing I'd add to that is certain leaders, as Bob's hinted at, have various titles. They're called operations people or whatever it might be. We're saying the heart of really your existence is about sales, selling, growth, keeping people. It's your metier, if you like. You're a proper sales leader. There might be people listening to this who aren't yet in positions of leadership who want to become them. And we hope this is helpful to you too. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the position of a sales leader and the kind of job priorities that you will have and how that is defined by yourself and your organization. We're then going to think about the sales leader as a motivator to his people in terms of the activities and the things that he engages within. Or she. Or she. And then also we're going to think about some ideas on how you can plan for this year to be a more effective sales leader and make sure that you accomplish the goals that you're after. So there's three main sections to this. Let's first of all start by thinking about your position as a sales leader. So when I became a sales leader back in the day, this was in the mid-90s, I was given a job as a sales manager and I had a small team to manage. However, I was still expected to sell as much as I had done before. Now, there'll be many people who will be promoted to a sales leader, but they will still have some responsibility for selling to their own clients, their own customers, their own accounts. And they might be thinking, well, hang on a minute, I've got to focus on my own sales activity whilst managing a team, whilst doing all the admin that goes with that. And I think we need to make a bit of a distinction there because if you are somebody who manages the performance of a team to deliver a number, deliver a goal, then that's one thing. If you are a sales manager who is doing all that and is expected to sell as well, that really is a tough gig. And I think that's the first thing to think about is how do you delineate those responsibilities we'd go so far as to say not only is it a tough gig we think it's a gig that shouldn't exist anymore if you are somebody who's held those accounts there needs to be in 2022 a transference of those accounts to someone else to take them on so that you can drive the skills and performance of the team now in small businesses they may say well my sales director is my best salesperson 
how do you actually get over growth and how do you expand a team and how does that sales director look at new opportunities how do they spend time working on the business rather than taking time out to sell so it's a transition that we would advocate you need to move to in 2022 if you're a sales leader to think how can i get other people to be brilliant with all my knowledge and skills and experience later in my career i had a position where i was more driving the sales of, of an organization and that allows you to then really do some of the more interesting activities that a sales leader would have, which is, of course, connected to the clients, connected to the customers. But as Jeremy's mentioned, it's about working on the actual team. If you've got a sales manager who is still expected to sell, I'm afraid they will prioritize selling over the management of a team. And that's always going to mean that you're group of people who are selling stuff for you will be performing sub-optimally because they won't really have someone supporting them and developing them in the way that uh, a really good sales director would. Now, if you're listening to this and saying, no, 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 we don't have that in our business, but are you perhaps a sales leader that's too involved in the minutiae? Are you a bit of a micromanager and you want to know everything that the team's doing, and there's even a sales manager before you get to the sales teams or whatever the org chart is, but you're far too involved in very, very small things. So you're not really strategizing, you're not looking at tactics, you're not looking at markets, you're not looking at competitors, you're not looking at the propositions of what you sell. You know, a sales director should be directing sales and a sales leader, which is the term we're using today, should be leading this position. It doesn't mean necessarily you're doing and this is hard for businesses of a certain size who might use recruitment costs as an excuse. But I certainly think that the leader has to work out their priorities. You've got to spend time leading that team and helping them understand how they can all grow exponentially beyond what their previous performance has been. Because in some markets and marketplaces, it has been hindered by the use of technology and not by the fact you can see people, talk to them, go into their workplaces, see how your applications can help them, whatever it is that you sell. So I think there has to be some real consideration over your priorities and what your true role is now, today, at the start of this year. So I was just looking at uh, some of the things that a sales leader should be engaging in. The first thing I've written down here is motivator. Your job is to motivate the team on a regular basis. And interestingly, Jeremy and I have done a, a recent podcast for our Contact Center Focus channel, and that's about how to run sales meetings. And I think a sales leader would run effective, positive and motivational sales meetings on a regular basis. And that's meetings that only concern themselves with sales. And if you want more detail on that, you can look up that podcast. Could we say, would it be a blanket expression, we could say no sales leader should really hold the position if they are unable to motivate other human beings. I agree entirely. And that leads us on to those two activities which they should be engaging with most, and that is accompaniment or observation of the sales process from the people that you're managing, and also the coaching of those people so that they are better able to deal with customers on a regular basis. Now, it's interesting that we know quite a number of sales directors who would love to accompany their salespeople to meetings and uh, get involved in that sales process. But there's always something that keeps them back. Strategy meetings, target meetings, mm. uh, forecast meetings, 
going through stuff with the financial director, going through things with the suppliers, with the product people, mm. with the compliance people. There's always stuff that salespeople are getting involved in, which actually doesn't affect the delivery of the sales process to customers. And I think that's something that if you aren't able to prioritize it, you've got to look at your function and think, well, okay, look at this list of things I'm doing. What is positively engaging with the sales process? I'll carry on doing that. Anything that isn't, I must move to a different person or stop doing altogether. Well, as our dear friend John Seddon says, you know, if you're hanging out only in the management factory, you're only in the management factory. You're not actually understanding what the work is and what the customers are. There's also in our working years, we've had a number of tales where people who've moved further and further away from the client, further and further away from the customer, are not in a position to see how to sell, to see how products and services should be positioned. And a well-known company that went bust a few years ago, when the CEO came in and in a sense was tasked with saving this firm, he asked people, what do we need to do to sell more of what we sell? And various hands shot up and he took all of the answers. And some people think they're being very clever because he warned them in advance. He'd, he'd asked this at the meeting. And then he said, can all those who've made a suggestion we've listened to over this 45 minutes, please stand up. And those people who he said, right, can you remain standing if you have been with any of our salespeople or sold a single one of our products in the last year? And every single person sat down. He said, so where are your ideas coming from? How are you knowing this is how we need to sell? So I want to just expand what Bob's saying about a sales leader. You can't just talk from a position of strategy, not knowing what customers want. Now, we're not saying you need to sell, but if you accompany your managers when they're coaching and leading their salespeople, that's one thing. Why not occasionally accompany your actual salespeople when they're selling? And you may need to go into their environments. You might need to go into somebody's home. I forget the word in English. You might have to help me with this. Is it called surrogation when you are listening to others' stories? Whatever. Is that called surrrogation? Some word in English. Um, um, well, surrogacy is something completely different. <laughs> yes. Um, but, um... <laughs> no. uh, I'm, I'm going to have to get the word right. But what I'm saying is listening to others telling you what their stories are and what they're up to. You'll often learn far more than just thinking in your head and drawing something up. So spending time with people who are doing the work, who are receiving the challenges, hearing the objections, uh, you know, that kind of work that a sales leader does, you'll become far more informed by listening to your managers, by listening to your salespeople. You might think actually that it's a bit like a military commander. So a military commander is there to assess the ground, assess the battle plan and to then deploy their troops in the most effective way. Now, the only way you can do that is to have had experience of it, but also to have checked out the ground, to have assessed the enemy or assessed the situation that you're in, and then you're better able to make that deployment. Now, what I've been thinking about is some of the best sales leaders we know, and we know some amazing people in very high positions in large organizations, is they have a, a number of sets of plans. So, for example, there'll be a plan that the company will have for their team, their division, whatever it may be. Here's the plan, the targets that we want you to hit and achieve this year. And then that sales leader will say, right, regardless of what the company wants me to do, I'm now going to have my own personal plan 
for what I want to achieve this year, which is going to get me to where I want to go and going to give me the satisfaction and achievement that I want. And then that means once I know what that is and once I know what the company plan is, I can create a really strong plan for my team or my division or my department, which I can then implement and get my sales managers and other staff to implement, which is going to make sure we achieve all those things. Now, that's quite a lot of planning. But it comes down to this other point that some people just don't plan. They just say, let's go for it. Let's do our best. And I think it's very true that in a sales operation, you know, if you went into a battle without planning, I mean, you're going to have a disaster on your hands. And so the same thing goes for selling stuff to customers. You've got to have a really good plan of how you're going to achieve it. And within that plan, especially for your team and your people, you're going to have some milestones in there that you're going to achieve through the year. And you should absolutely anticipate the obstacles that you're going to face as well. And some of those will be economic and some of those will be personal. It'll be the actual individuals that you think, right, this person is going to be an obstacle to me achieving these things. I need to make sure I'm accompanying, observing and coaching these people so they're at the highest possible level to help us achieve what it is we want to do. Now, one of the things to follow on from your word personal that will help you and Bob just said this, if you've got your own plan, some of your plan will be guided quite naturally by your values of what you think is the right way to live, the right way to behave, the right way to spend your day, when you eat, when you exercise, when you sleep, how you deal with friends, how you talk to people, whatever your values are, which could be a whole list of things. That will guide you leading with a form of integrity that makes you feel good. You're not working till 2 a.m., because you've actually got a day planned of when you do the work. You're not affecting those other relationships in your home as much as possible, or you're trying to reduce friction wherever you can, because you've still got a big job to do. If you understand your own values, that will help you in your planning. And then, of course, if you understand the values of the individuals you're working with, that's good too. Now, why this has become even more important is because of what has happened over the last two years, been removed from people, and they spent more time in their homes. Those people who've spent time in their homes and we've gone through the great redundancy period, the United States, the highest amount of redundancies of any country in the world, people handing their notice in, rather than trying to work things out, they just threw the towel in. You are going to have people, as Bob's hinted, who might be difficult. Are they difficult or have they just got a set of values that is no longer able to coexist with how you work? Should you listen to them, find out what they're trying to achieve, how they wish to live? And I'm not talking about shirkers. I'm not talking about people who've used COVID as an excuse. I'm talking about people who now, as they wake up, they have a certain rituals and habits that they're trying to live by that make them feel healthy, make others around them feel healthy. And the company just doesn't seem to listen to them. So I think a role of a sales leader is to get to know what will put your people in the best possible position to give you their energy, to give you their focus. And so that requires some conversation. You can't just lay the plan down You've got to understand what's driving the individuals in my team so that they do all the things that we've already talked about on this episode, so that they are bothered to win new business and drive profit. So I think more work than ever has to be done around what do you value? What kind of a person are you? How are you trying to live your life? And how can you do that with us? And do you remember, Bob, we used to talk about Indra Nui, um, who ran Pepsi. One of the things she did, which was pretty extraordinary when she joined Pepsi, was she did this. She found a number of senior executives in their mid to late 50s were handing their notice in or relocating. And when she dug around, they were trying to be nearer to their parents. 
because they had moved states as they were ambitious corporate types. And they'd moved perhaps, you know, from Michigan to Ohio, from L.A. to NYC. Huge distances. And one of the reasons she dug out was they actually wanted to be nearer to their parents in the last 20 years of their parents' lives. Now, imagine if you began to understand those kind of values and you said, right, we don't want to lose you. How can you work for us and you still relocate? And that's through conversation. She's done extraordinary things in understanding what drives people in their own life as well as in their working life. The last thing I'll say on this is that as a sales leader, the other people you're going to need to manage are those people that you report to, whether it be a board or a more senior director. You are going to have to help them understand what your priorities are as well, because what you don't want is lots of senior people saying, oh, can you let me know this forecast or give me this report or can you attend this meeting with me or can you come and present to us what it is you've been doing? And they will make themselves busy by giving you lots of stuff to do, which absolutely does nothing to improve the performance of a team. And I think sometimes managing upwards is as important to say, look, I'm going to be accompanying my people. I'm going to be coaching them. I'm going to be working with them to improve their skills so they get better and better at selling, which means they make more money for everybody. That's my focus. This thing you've asked me to do is, as far as that's concerned, completely irrelevant, and I'm not going to do it. And I think that is another important skill of a sales leader, that you can prioritize the focus on the customer, which means the focus on your people. That's the most important thing you can do. Anything else is quite literally a waste of your Mm. time and should be minimized. I was talking to somebody recently who was asked to justify a spend and they passed the work on to me and wanted me to justify back to them the work we were going to do as a company with their company. But they hadn't given me enough information. So it was impossible for me to do the justification exercise. What they really needed to do, as Bob hinted at, is to manage up and go, no, no, no. It isn't a question of justifying. The work we're going to do with this organization is like this. Let's get clearer briefs. Otherwise, you're asking people to propose things without any understanding. And it's just somebody saying, go away, go away and get them to justify the cost. Also, we have also worked with some sales leaders who will spend literally months a year working out targets for people. And we think that's such a massive waste of time. Targets are only ever a guess. And uh, there's that old story about a company, I came up to some guys at a conference saying, can you help us work out our forecast for the next Oh, that's Jim Rohn. That's Jim Rohn. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll pay you a large fee to do it. He said, you don't have to pay me anything. I'm going to give you your forecast for the next five years right now. They go, go on then. A couple of years are going to be much tougher than you thought. Much tougher than you thought. A couple of years will be a little bit better than you thought. And one will be just about what you thought it was going to be. That's what's going to happen. So now you know that, just crack on. And I think that is the truth when it comes to targeting. It's only ever a guess. So why are you spending so much time worrying about it? Just get on with selling stuff to more people and you'll achieve figures you couldn't have dreamt of if you were sitting there trying to come up with a target. Well, so I think that's another great lesson. Let's take two industries over the last two years. People selling home-based fitness equipment, yoga mats, running machines. Do you think they had any idea they'd sell so many? They sold out within six <laughs> no. weeks. There was a worldwide shortage of dumbbells. I heard a story uh, yeah. of a guy walking into a store in Leeds and they'd sold out. And there was a dumbbell, an old knackered one, holding the door open. And it had all the paint chipped off it and they were using it as a doorstop. And he just said, I'll give you 200 quid for that. It was a kettle <laughs> kettlebell, sorry. Um, and he and the guys went, really? It's our doorstep. He said, 200 quid. And he bought a kettlebell for 200 quid because he couldn't get one. Amazing. Do you think the supermarkets got their targets right? Cool. 
And, and then what about people who were thinking of selling shed loads of stuff and actually over ambitiously inflated their targets completely missed altogether? So as I, I concur with that. Yeah. Targets are only ever a guess last year plus five percent. The problem with business thinking always is the customer doesn't love you enough. Your profitability is never high enough. So you just keep recalibrating anyway. So what's the point in the exercise? A friend of mine went to Japan once for two months to do targets. And then there was a tsunami and they couldn't get ink or whatever the stuff they were doing. Plan. If you actually commit this plan to paper, look at the weeks, the months, the years. And we're talking about companies here that have sales teams. Of course, if you're tuning in and it's just you, this is much more relevant about you impacting an entire team to, to go and, and do some good stuff. But really look at the seasonal variations. There's another problem with targets. They rarely take in seasonal fluctuations. But you know, I think we've said some important things here. Be primarily a motivator of other people. Be clear on your position. Make this plan to be more effective. And don't waste time doing things that add no value to customers and no value to your team. Absolutely. So, Bobby, anything else to say before we close? No, I think we've definitely given sales leaders a few good tips there. Before we depart, it would be churlish of me not to mention our growing second channel for podcasts, Contact Centre Focus. So any of you listening who are in contact centres, please look that up and distribute it to your teams. They're shorter, 10 to 15 minute podcasts on various subjects. And we'll be back with another Bob and Jeremy's Conclab very soon. Ciao for now. Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast.